Welcome to Leadership, The Journey with No Summit, with best-selling author and retired U.S. Army Major General, Robert W. Mixon, Jr. Best known for his ability to inspire audiences, motivate teams, build leaders, and create cultures of excellence, Robert shares effective values-based leadership strategies and tools your team can put into practice immediately that will fuel your company's lasting success. Now, here is your host, Robert Mixon. Okay, well, welcome everyone to the Level 5 podcast series on the Leadership Journey with No Summit. Today, uh, we're very privileged and fortunate to have our guest, uh, Lauren Dixon, the CEO of Dixon Schwabel, one of the leading uh, public affairs and uh, promotional companies for messaging for uh, organizations uh, and, and companies here in Western New York. And uh, I've been uh, fortunate to be following her, uh, her thought leadership uh, on the topic here in the, in the local area and asked her if she would be willing to, to have uh, an interview session today. And, and Lauren, welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. We wanted to uh, start today's conversation uh, in, in the theme of, of the fifth principle, when in charge, take charge. But really, we want to talk about your journey. And uh, I'd like to ask you, what's, what's the most important aspect of being in charge that you have observed throughout your journey of 30 years? Well, I wish I could say there is one thing, but I think it's kind of the whole package. It starts with being a great listener. Um, I think that is one of the most important aspects, Mm -hmm. but also respecting all perspectives and opinions within your organization, Um, making certain that all of my team members feel valued and appreciated. Um, If someone has a big idea and a great idea, they'll march themselves into my office. And my promise back to them is I'll either make a decision on the spot or I'll make a decision with 48 out, within 48 hours. I think that's incredibly important because it encourages people to bring in new thinking. And as a leader, one has to be open and not always think that they have all the big ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When I was a baby manager, I used to think that I had to have all the big ideas because I had the title and I had the salary and that was my responsibility. But that since... 25 years ago or 30 years ago, (laughs) I learned that that's not what it takes to be a good leader at all. It needs to um, be of encouraging other big ideas to come to the table and then making decisions um, and letting those with big ideas take the baton and go with them. Because at the end of the day, I want my team members to love their jobs and feel like their ideas matter and count. And the biggest litmus test for me is when they go home at night to make certain that they feel like they've made huge contributions. Hmm. That's a great uh, point. You know, the the idea of being in charge, but allowing them, enabling them to bring in their ideas and see them come to life. That's part of being in charge. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when I drive to work in the morning, I think, how the heck am I going to make Dixon Schwabel irresistibly attractive to all of my team members? And I think long and hard about it. And then at the end of the day, I say to myself, and I score myself on a, on a scale of one to 10, okay. was I a nine or was I a two? And why was I a two when I really wanted to be a nine or a 10? Um, it holds me accountable each and every day. And I think that really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that personal accountability. So you do a daily audit of yourself Absolutely. as a leader. Absolutely. That's a great tool. 
Great tool. I think uh, most folks in the audience here, we could all benefit from doing that uh, daily audit versus just moving on and figuring, okay, well, tomorrow will happen. Will be a better day, right? Yeah, it'll be a better day. Yeah, <laughs> it'll get better. Um, and you know, in your journey, what was your biggest mistake as a leader when you should have taken charge mm -hmm. or you observed someone else who should have taken charge and didn't do so? And what did you learn from that? Boy, that's, that's a good question. Um, there was a situation um, that my husband, Mike, who is the president of the organization, he had a gut instinct about an employee who, at the end of the day, after 10 years, was stealing from our company. And he would say to me, Lauren, something just doesn't feel right. His instinct was such that um, he just knew. And it was me who did not act upon it, did not dig down deep, did not do the necessary due diligence, and I should have. And I learned a very important lesson um, that when someone does have a gut instinct to follow through, what's the worst that can happen? You know, you prove that person wrong, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, but what's the best thing that could have happened that his instinct was indeed correct? Um, but I, you know, I think I've learned something every single day, Robert, <laughs> um, which <laughs> is, too. I think, the fun of, of, of leading, too. Um, but I, that probably was the most significant thing for me as a leader to, to learn, but also for our company, because it had um, an incredible impact on our company financially. Mm -hmm. So... It was a painful lesson. It was a very painful lesson. Um, and the proof was right in our own computer system. And if we had done a simple audit, we would have found it. Yeah. Know? What did George Carlin say, the concept of Vuja Day? Yeah. <laughs> you know, where some of the, the most obvious things are right in front of us and we don't right. see them. Exactly. You know, you made a whole uh, exactly. comedy routine out of that. that's where, you know, trust you know, we're a trusting organization and there's a fine line between trust and really digging down deep and understanding what is really, really going on. And our whole organization is built on trust, trusting every single team member. And for me, not to trust a managing partner violated everything that I believe in, right? right? So this particular situation was really tough, and I don't know if I've ever been so betrayed in my life. I've never felt that feeling, and it truly was a devastating time for us personally. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that story, because I think a lot of us have been through painful experiences, but the hard part is to share it and, and you know, come out and say, okay, this is what happened, and, right. you know. That this is what I learned. Uh, you recently wrote an article in the Rochester Business Journal, and uh, of course you're a regular contributor there, and, and I'm a fan. But anyway, you, you talked about turning managers into leaders. And I'd like to ask you, Lauren, what, how do you identify which managers can be leaders? Because as we know, some will never be successful in making that transition. Right? No, and they don't all have to be leaders either. Understanding one's gift as a manager is wonderful. And sometimes it starts and stops there. And then other times when you identify the things for us anyway, we have five, we have six core values, excuse me. Um, they're respect, integrity, teamwork, community, fun, and innovation. 
And so, and so for us, all of our leaders have to have all of those things and then have the ability to demonstrate and show up every single day as a servant leader. Mm-hmm. So um, my favorite expression that my chief creative officer uses all of the time, he says, my number one job is to remove all of the obstacles for my team members so they can do their best work, which is perfect, right? I yeah. mean, that's what it's all about. And, um, and really thinking about people, not only our team, but our team's families, because that's, that's part of who they are too. If a family is struggling, how do we as leaders jump in and help? How do we do that? And we have to think about that every single day because if we don't, it's going to affect every single team member. Mm-hmm. And if there are struggles there, it will affect the work. So it's a holistic kind of leadership philosophy, if you will. Um, one of my favorite examples, <clears throat> excuse me, is my CFO called me late one Friday afternoon and said, oh my goodness, Lauren, I messed up. I love it when people do that. I love it when they, and and that's how they start out their conversation because I jump into problem solving mode. I'm like, not a problem. Tell me what's going on. And he said, oh, I called the merry maids to try to get them in tomorrow, Saturday to do all of the cleaning at the agency because our maintenance director his birthday is tomorrow. Well, we give everybody's birthdays off. Mm -hmm. And so here we have a maintenance guy who has a birthday and now we have no one to clean the office. And David said, "Um, can't get anybody. He goes, but not a problem. I'm coming in at seven. I said, okay, Mike and I will come in at seven too. We'll kind of divide and conquer and it will be great. So we divided up all of the um, responsibilities. My responsibility was tackling the bathrooms. And so, you know, I have my little plastic gloves and I'm cleaning the <laughs> toilets. And you know, when you know someone's looking at you, you know, you yeah, have that no, feeling. Yeah. And I turned around and sure enough, it was one of our brand new employees with his little girl. Uh huh. And he was um, a vice president of our research department. And he looked at me like, oh my goodness, don't they have enough money for <laughs> janitorial services? What is the CEO doing cleaning? toilets. And so I jumped up and I said, well, it's it's our um, maintenance director's birthday. And we all came in and dove in and we're going to be out of here in two hours. Well, the reason he came in, he wanted to have allow his four-year-old daughter to take the slide. We have a slide in our lobby. And so that's a big deal, right? And so he stumbled upon his new CEO cleaning toilets. But I think the, the reason I'm sharing that is because we just dig in. We don't think about our titles. We first and foremost think about the team. And so, no, we couldn't get somebody to come in and clean the building, but that's not a problem. Everybody just dives in and does the work. So you're looking for managers to become leaders who are willing to get their fingernails dirty, absolutely, so to speak, right? Absolutely. No job is beneath any one of us. Mm-hmm. We, we feel strongly about that. That's a great lesson, you know, because again, you know, Leadership is an art. Absolutely. And some people may be effective managers. Mm-hmm. But they don't have that special sauce, if you will. Right. Absolutely. To lead. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, in your view, what are the characteristics of a world-class culture? You know, I'm sort of passionate about this culture deal. I know you are too. <laughs> yes, I am. You know, I think 
my dad probably um, believed in this as much as you and I do. And he said when I was starting the company, all you have to do is two things, Lauren. Motivate and inspire people to want to come to work every single day. And then number two, um, hire people smarter than you. That was the easy part, Robert. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yep, that's the part I can figure out. Yep, quick. Um, but I do think that a world-class culture begins with leadership, with every decision that you make, whether you're hiring people to make certain that they share your core values, and also the companies you choose to do business with, right? Hmm. Um, clients, do they share your core values as well? And what about the vendors you select? Um, it could be a really easy day if all of those people have the same core values, or it could be miserable if you're butting heads all the time. So it's so much easier to do business and operate in that kind of situation when everybody shares core values. So I think I think that's job number one. Mm -hmm. And every day your culture is alive. Yeah, and it. You know, we've been identified as an organization that is a great place to work by the Great Place to Work Institute oh, yeah. in San Francisco, California. That's wonderful. And, you know, um, some folks believe that once you've got a great culture, you know, you just, it's always a great culture. And that's yep. not the case. I agree. You have to constantly re-energize it, reinvigorate. Um, it's a work in progress. And it's, it, it's work. If it was that easy, everybody would be a great place to work, right? Yep. <laughs> but it's not. It's um, but it starts by by interviewing and identifying team members who have core values like yours. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, it'll show up three weeks, three months, a year down the road. It will. We've been there before. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like a bad hire for making an imprint on you in right. terms of. Well, I was in a hurry. I needed someone, you know, I didn't, I didn't do the diligence or check references two levels, you know, down that kind of thing. So uh, great advice, uh, Lauren. Who's your hero or heroine and why? Oh boy. Um, I have a lot of them, but I, I just mentioned my dad and by, um, a huge measure, he has been hands down the guy who has been there with all of the smart, street smart advice. He didn't go to college. He owned a trucking business for 40 plus years. And um, he just was a guy who had so much common sense. And, um, you know, he drove trucks every day. Mm -hmm. He came home. We did not have dinner at 5.01 or 5.02 or 4.49. We had dinner at 5 p.m. every <laughs> single night. But what I love so much about his style was he was punctual. You could count on him. He had dinner with his family every single night, but he was the dad who you could count on to do the kickball games to take us to the lake every day after um, dinner um, in the back of his truck. And I remember, you know, him pulling out the card table every single night doing his bills. And I was his kind of wing person. And I licked the envelopes and put the stamps on. And we did this day in and day out. Yeah. And I learned discipline from him. Um, and I, 
I, I will never, he's no longer with us. I will, I could never repay him for the lessons that I learned from that guy. But there are others too. Mm -hmm. I drive by the Ontario County Courthouse every single morning. And I don't know if there's a day that goes by that I don't think about Susan B., you know, and her tenacity and mm -hmm. ability to drive things and make things happen. Um, her birthday is next year. She'll be 200. It'll also be the year um, where women got to vote 100th anniversary of that. It's kind mm -hmm. of cool. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't get lost on me either. So I have a whole slew of folks I love and admire and have learned so many great lessons from. And so tenacity in oh, her case, you think was man, one of her, her great there, skills? There was no more ten, no more of a tenacious woman than that woman, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I really admire and respect all of what she did and how she did it. You know, she was kind of a tough cookie, no doubt about it. But I think this mental, physical, emotional toughness that, that really describes a leader like Susan B. Anthony uh, is more a sense of presence. Yes. In in my from my amateur perspective here, Lauren, you agree with that? I, I do agree with that, one hundred and ten percent. All of the things that you read about her, her determination and her toughness and her take no prisoners kind of attitude, yeah. I love. Um, but then there's something that I loved about what my father represented, which was his positivity. Ah. Um, it's so funny because, you know, when when it would rain in the morning, I'd be, oh, darn, it's raining. My father would be so excited. And he'd say, Lauren, we need the rain. How are the crops going to grow if it doesn't rain? So he saw every bit of positivity in any what could have been a negative situation. And I loved that about that man. He um, could talk to anybody. And my mom used to say all the time, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to send your, your father to Wegmans. It's going to be another two and a half hours before we get XYZ. <laughs> because <laughs> he was a guy who would talk to anyone and everyone and just brighten everybody's day. So um, leaders need to have that attribute as well, I think. Yes, I, I'm with you. I think positivity is a great strength. Mm -hmm. and, and you can combine tenacity, presence, positivity. I think you've got a lot of key ingredients that people want to respect and right. admire. It's and follow, right? And follow. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. Thanks. Uh, so, Lauren, what advice would you give aspiring leaders to learn how to take charge in this positive, empowering way? How, how do you get there? Yeah. Um, Never believing that you have to have the big idea. Always engage others and understand what they think and press the pause button and don't be afraid to take somebody else's big idea for fear that it's not yours, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think I alluded to it earlier, um, as a baby manager, um, that's what I did. That's what I did. And, it, and I think it was one of the mistakes that I made early on. Um, but if you can take a step back, great things will happen. Bigger ideas will, will transpire and your team members will feel better at the end of the day and feel like they accomplished a whole lot more. 
But do you think young leaders sometimes struggle with wanting to be the one who has the big idea? Absolutely, they do. And and they, they like the gratification that they own that. Um, but it's it's a manager going into a leader that has the courage and the ability to say, doesn't have to be about me, has to be about everybody else. Um, because that's when you're going to get the best from all of your team members. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be about them. That's hard to do as a baby manager. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I think the tendency as a young manager is to want to control and want to have right. the idea yeah. and be the one that has a solution. Mm-hmm. Right? You go in, as you were talking earlier, the problem-solving mode. Right. You know, I, I, as a young leader, I think if I didn't have a problem to solve, I'd make one up. <laughs> <laughs> go find something, you yeah. know, a problem to solve. You know, wow. Yeah. But I also think that um, as a young leader, it's incumbent upon them not to feel that they have to have all of the answers. Mm. Yeah, they uh, immediately gravitate to reading leadership books. That's a good thing, that's a wonderful thing. But um, I guess I would encourage people to reach out into the community and meet and understand what other leaders believe. Kind of like this conversation. Mm -hmm. What was your journey? What did you learn? And my favorite question is, what are the three best things you've ever done as a leader? And what were the three biggest faux pas and from that, the three faux pas are the things that I think I learn the most from every single day because I don't want to replicate that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The biggest things you've screwed messed up, right. right? Okay. Well, and if I asked you for one big idea, Lauren, uh, you know, for this particular podcast opportunity we have to talk together, what would that big idea be that our leaders could take away? I think if they thought about the accountability piece each and every day. You know, I shared that I go through this exercise every day of driving to work and saying to myself, how am I gonna make Dixon Schwabel irresistibly attractive to all of my team members? And then come up with real tangible things that I'm gonna try to affect that day. And then on my way home, score myself. And I think that has been really important for me to keep me on track and more importantly, keep me accountable for doing something Mm -hmm. (laughs) every single day, doing something to try to advance the company and our people. Okay. So that would be personal accountability? Yes, absolutely. Well, that certainly is a great takeaway, Lauren. I'll tell you. So what else uh, would you like to share with our readers, our audience while we have a few minutes? Oh my goodness. Um, I think leadership is probably the most exciting and challenging and rewarding thing a person can do. Um, And it's never, you always learn every single day. And um, I think the biggest mistake a leader could make is thinking that they A, know it all, or can't learn something each and every day. And um, podcasts like this are amazing and so fun and so exciting and who knew 25 years ago that this opportunity would be available right and the information available about this topic or a myriad of others is just a click away and so shame on any manager and or leader who is not listening to a podcast or two or three every single day Oh, wonderful. Yeah, the Level 5 podcast, I highly recommend, right? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Lauren. It really was wonderful to have the opportunity to talk with you for a few minutes today and and learn from you about your leadership journey. I think you're an inspiration to a lot of 
young leaders in this community. Uh, I certainly hear your name mentioned in many circles as someone that they admire and respect. And as, as you know, and I've made it very clear today, you know, you've, you've got to earn it and you got to bring it every day. You can't ever take it for granted. And uh, our, our young leaders out there, you know, the message would be, don't ever take it for granted. Go out there every day and bring it. Well, I look forward to uh, another opportunity in our podcast series on the leadership journey with No Summit. But thanks again, Lauren, for being part of our experience and really enjoyed it. Thank you. My pleasure. All righty. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Leadership, the journey with No Summit. Visit us at level5associates.com for more information on how to become a values-based leader, creating a culture of excellence.